This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Bruchim Avon, welcome everyone. So on the message tonight, uh, we gave the menu, and then there was a topic about Shratzim, and people wanted to know whether the menu had something to do with matering. The Shratzim, there's no, there's just a non-sequitur, no connection between the two. But um, the Torah tells us at the end of this week's parasha, parasha Shmini, do not defile your souls with every crawling thing. Do not defile yourselves with them and become defiled. Because I am Hashem your God. Sanctify yourselves and you will be sanctified. Because I am holy. Do not defile your souls with every creepy, crawling thing. Remember many years ago, my father spoke in South Africa, so he brought back the menu over there. What they eat over there in uh, South Africa, they mamash eat crocodile ribs, and that's the best of it. But the Torah is saying, do not defile yourselves with um, any of these items. Why? Because I am Hashem who took you up from Mitzrayim. So the question is, what does one thing have to do with the other? Why in the context of not eating Shratzim, does the Torah say, I am Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim? Uh, everybody knows Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. It's something that it could say by any laugh in the Torah, don't do it because I took you out of Mitzrayim. So the Gemara Bab Metziah, on the Avsam HaChalafam Beis, asks, why does the Torah mention the Exodus, leaving Mitzrayim in the context of not eating Shratzim? And the Gemara says even further, why does it use the language of Hamala Mitzrayim? It should just say, don't eat it, don't eat it. What's it got to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim? And why does it say Hamala Mitzrayim? Yeah, says the Gemara, look at the Tanah Rabbi Shmuel, Says Rebunch, if I took you out of Egypt just for one purpose, that you don't eat creepy crawling things, that would have been enough. This is enough of a reason to have taken you out of Mitzrayim that you don't eat Shratzim. And the obvious question is, why, uh, why are we picking on Shratzim? Why are we saying that... Why is Yvonne Shem saying, it's enough that it took you out of Mitzrayim just not to eat Shratzim? Why, why Shratzim? Why not Shatnis? Why not Lashon Hara? Why not any other lav in the Torah? I mean, there's 365 laven, And the Torah could say, it was Kadai to take you out of Mitzrayim, not to violate lav A, B, or C. Why is the Torah picking on Dafka Shratzim? Right? You're bothered by that, Kuti, right? It troubles you, I know. So what's the, what exactly is the the emphasis on Kiani Hashem Hamala Eschem Meyaretz Mitzrayim? Comes the Gemara Nevi'in on Daf Yigimel on the base. Look at number four. Amar Rabbi Avo, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rav Meir had a certain Talmud. His name was Sumchas. Sumchas could explain to you forty-eight reasons why something which is Tame is Tame and something which is Tahar is Tahar. The Gemara continues. Tana Talmud Vosikoyo Biyavne. There was a righteous student in Yavne and. Remember the fact that this student lived in Yavne? He could explain to you why a Sheretz was Tahar, is Tahar, 150 ways. 
I know there's a safer a hundred reasons why Hanukkah is eight days, right? He could write a safer with a hundred and fifty reasons why you could eat a sheretz, why a sheretz is tahar. I assume he uh, did not have a hard time in the Rabbanas finding a job. But that's what the Gemara says. There was a student in Yavne who could matir a sheretz with a hundred and fifty reasons. What's the significance of that? What's the godless of that? How in the world could you matter a sheretz? The Torah says a sheretz is tame. I'm a Ravina. Says Ravina, let me give it a shot. I'm going to try to give you a reason why a sheretz should be tahar. Ani adoyin v'atarenu. I will try the following kavachemer. Listen to this kavachemer. Uma nachash shememis. If a snake, which could kill, umar betuma, and increase tuma in the world, tahar, yet a snake is not tame. A snake is tahar. It's not like a sheretz. A sheretz is tame. The cheshrats are tame. A snake is not tame. A snake is tar. So even though a snake could create added tuma in the world, but the snake is tame. Sheretz, but a, a rodent. She'ein meinus. It can't kill. Umar betuma. It cannot increase tuma in the world. Right? Nobody ever got killed by a mouse. People scream. People shriek. They jump up on a chair. Nobody ever died from a mouse. Like kosher gain. Certainly, the sheretz, which does not increase to him in the world, should be tar. So R- Ravina tried the following Kabachimer. If a nachash, which increases to him in the world, it could kill, is tar, then a sheretz, which does not, a sheretz, which cannot kill, certainly it should be tar. If a nachash is tar, certainly a sheretz should be tar. And the Gemara says it's not really a good Kabachimer. Because snakes don't kill. So the Gemara, Maisa koitz ba'alma. A snake is a thorn. Snakes don't kill. Snakes sit in their spot. If you step on them, they'll kill you. But they don't actively go out and kill. Now, you could, we could give a shear about snakes and whether they do kill or they don't kill. That's not the topic of tonight's shear, whether snakes indeed kill or not. But this is the argument of Ravina. That if a snake which increases Tuma is Tahar, a Sharetz which does not increase Tuma cannot kill, certainly should be Tahar. So here you have this great Talmud Chacham in Yavne. And uh, imagine, uh, you know, on his resume he writes, I got smicha, I wrote these svarim, and by the way, I can matter mice for you. Very impressive resume. Like, what, what's exactly the great godless of this rabbi that he's able to matter a sheretz with 150 reasons? In fact, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, look at number five, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav, Ein Moishivin B'Sanhedrin, Elami sheyodeya letayeres hasheretz. If you want to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you need to have the following uh, credential. You need to be able to explain why a sheretz is tahar min hatayra. Okay, so you want to be a big rabbi? Anyone out here want to be a big rabbi? So besides growing a very nice long beard, you also have to be able to matter shratzim. If you can't matter a sheretz, you're out. Don't even, don't even apply for Mayatzas Gedolei HaToyra if you don't think you can matter a shatz. Says the Gemara, Rav also tried to use a Kavachoymer, the same Kavachoymer as Ravina and Ervin Yud Gimel, and the Gemara said it's not really a Kavachoymer, snakes don't kill. Comes Toysus, comes Rabbeinu Tam, which by the way, for the Bnei Ashkenaz, the Rush writes, Rabbeinu Tam was the greatest of all the Rishonim. Greater than the Rambam even. Ashkenazim consider Rabbeinu Tam... The greatest of all the Rishinim. Frekter Rabbeinu Tam, because Rabbeinu Tam, demal lonu b'charifu shel hevel. 
what exactly is the point of being able to matter a sharetz? I mean, how you matter a sharetz? The Torah says a sharetz is tummy. So you're going to come up with all kinds of pulpulim and, and arguments and dialectic um, binyanim. <laughs> you want to say a pilpul why a sharetz is mutter? For, for what? What's the benefit of that? It would be, it would be nonsensical. I mean, you could, you could give an hour-long share. You're going to say, according to the Bech Shmuel's lumdus of this, a shared should be mutter. What, what's the point? That would be ridiculous. Shrutz in the Torah says our tame. I mean, that, that would be like somebody who could give an argument that a pig is kosher. But, but we know it's not. What exactly is the benefit? What is, why would a, a member of Sanhedrin need to know this skill of matering a sharetz? Why is that a critical aspect of being a great Talmud Chacham? <laughs> So the Marsha, and uh, the Marsha says as follows. We know that in order to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you need to be able to find somebody innocent, even if they're really guilty. That's one of the quite right? We know really Bezdin, even though they normally would technically administer capital punishment, but Bezdin very rarely actually meted it out. They always came up with justifications why maybe the person was not guilty. After all, if the glove don't fit... You must acquit. Thank you. A, a real member of the Sanhedrin, a real member of the Sanhedrin always was able to come up with a limad zchus to, to uh, get somebody off the hook. Says the Marshal, when the Gemara says that a Tamil Chacham needs to be able to matter a sharetz, it doesn't mean he really needs to find a heter for a sharetz, that if somebody comes to ask a shayla, could you eat a mouse for supper? He, he stroke his beard and say, you know what, it's mam says I think you could eat it. It means it's just an allegory. It's a way of saying that even where the case seems black and white, he could come up with like a loophole to get someone off the hook. That's how the Marsha understands it. And L'Chaira, the Marsha, the Marsha's interpretation is based on the Yushami in Sanhedrin, where the Yushami says clearly in number 8, If anybody cannot... Figure out how a sharetz is tahar. Ain yachal liftoyach b'schos. We'll never be able to acquit somebody who's being tried. In other words, the ability to matter a sharetz is like the barometer to determine whether somebody is creative and ingenious enough to get off get off the hook somebody who's really guilty. That's the first shot in the proficiency of mattering shvatim. The Meiri Masechta Sanhedrin interprets this a little bit differently. The Miri says like this. Bottom line is, in every generation, there are certain things that the tzibur is lax in. That the, chach, the chachmei hadar need to make a fence and a safeguard and encourage certain type of behavior depending on the whatever area people are, are lax in. Now they're not going to just get up and shul and say, you know what? It's an to take out a phone during davening. They're not going to just do that. Whether to like pull a needle out of a haystack. What they'll do is, they'll find some basis somewhere in halacha where in fact, the, that's what the halacha is demanding of the time. Where do they get it from? They got to use some creativity. They have to be somewhat open to be able to interpret beyond the letter of the law. They sometimes need to take extra legal practice, supersede whatever it says black and white. There's a certain ability and a certain requirement that the members of Sanhedrin have in order to sort of tailor-make the halacha for whatever the generation is. 
What's the barometer to determine whether this individual has what it takes to create new safeguards and new takanos and new enactments for the time? The guideline is as follows. If he could come up with a heter for a sharetz, that's sort of the barometer to determine if in fact this person is qualified to innovate new takanos that are not mentioned in the Gemara or mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch. In other, way, in other words, the, the ability to matter a sharetz is also an allegory. It's, it's a mashal. It's, can this person extrapolate and sort of find a very nebulous basis in the Torah for what's required of the times? In fact, the Kliyakar says, you know, there's, even though a Navi cannot um, contravene the halacha, right? If a Navi comes and says, you know, uh, you don't have to wear a tulin anymore, you don't have to keep Shabbos anymore, you kill the Navi. It doesn't matter how much he knows. But as a hirasha, as a one-time thing, a Navi has the authority to even contravene the halacha. Like Elio and Har HaKarmel, where Elio said, if, you know, once and for all, let's determine who's the real God. Is it the God of the Jews? Is it, is it the God of the Baal? So Leo had everybody bring karbanos, right? Well, karbanos, you can't bring karbanos outside of the Mikdash. So as a special, that we could do it. What gave him the right to do that? A Novi is allowed to go against the halachas, what's the barometer to determine whether this individual is on that level? Could he find a heter for a sheretz? In other words, it's not that someone on the Sanhedrin really has to give, uh, write a tshuva, shalas a tshuva, and it come out, that's not what we're looking for. It just, it's a barometer to determine whether this person is, has what it takes to be able to administer a hirasha. Comes the Maral, Maral gives another interpretation. And let me explain it to you the way I understand it, and then I'll tell you how others understand it. Obviously, I think I'm right. But, you'll, you'll uh, decide for yourself. The Maral says like this, what exactly is the benefit of being able to matter a sheretz? Sheretz is also of what consequence, of what benefit is it to any, to anybody to be able to matter a sheretz? I'll give you, uh, I'll give you the moshe of, of the Maral, and then I'll give you my own moshe. Maral says like this, most things in life are not black and white. Most issues in life, it's not like, He's right and he's wrong. Or this is the way it is. Right? You could debate any issue, and almost any issue is not black and white. Every issue has stadim, lakan or lakan. You can make the case this way, you can make the case that way. You could you say why this is a good idea, you could say why it's a bad idea. In fact, most, most things in life, I could give you 50 reasons why it's a good idea, and 50 reasons why it's a bad idea. And at the end of the day, you need to make a definitive decision. Now, once you make a definitive decision, it doesn't mean that's the only way to look at it. It just means that's the best way to look at it under the circumstances. So, for example, the Maral says, you have two people arguing about a piece of wood. Now, in the ancient times, they believed, and possibly it is still a Torah hashkafa, that all matter is made up of one of four elements. Esh, fire, ruach, wind, mayim, water, and afar, earth. So they have a piece of wood and they're arguing. What is the basic element of wood? Is wood air? Or is wood earth? We don't argue about these things nowadays. We have more ridiculous things to argue about. 
But in those days, they would argue, what is wood? Is wood air or is wood earth? Says the Marah, well, you can make the case it's air because after all, wood floats on water and if it was earth, it would sink. On the other hand, if it was air, wood would never burn. So you can make an argument one way, you can make an argument another way. Now, a true Chacham is able to see that there are dimensions of wood that are air and dimensions of wood that are earth. They're both true. And you need to know both elements of wood. Here's my masha, okay? Let's say there was a presidential uh, race coming up. And you have two bad candidates. Just theoretically. And you have a thousand reasons why not to vote for one guy. And you have a thousand and one reasons not to vote for the other guy. The, the other lady, you have a two thousand reasons not to vote But... Just theoretically, if you have two candidates, is it either him and he's perfect and he, there are no flaws? Of course not. Everybody has their issues. So now we have to throw the a thousand deficiencies on one side of the scale, a thousand deficiencies on the other side. Ultimately, you're going to have to vote for somebody. But it doesn't mean you don't recognize all the various arguments one way and all the various arguments the other way. Says the Maral, so too a Talmud Chacham. You're right, a Sheretz is us, sir. But you have to know all the dimensions of the sharats. Maybe there are aspects of the sharats that you can make the argument that it's kosher. Now, bottom line is you're not going to eat it, it's tummy, because the Torah says tummy. But does that mean that every dimension and every facet of the sharats is tummy? Maybe there are aspects and dimensions and levels that there's what to say for a mouse. You're not going to eat it, you're not going to vote for the mouse, you're not going to put it in your system, but maybe there are levels of it that have that are tahar. That's how I understand it. The Sefer Shvile Pinchas understands it on a Kabbalistic level, and I'll tell you what he says. It says like this. The Gemara says in Masechta Psachim, look at number 12, on Daphnem Tesam Abeis, Tanya, Rabbi Oimer, Am Ha'aretz Asr Lechabasar. A unlearned Jew cannot eat meat. That's why, why do we serve meat here at the Shir? Because if you come to the Shir, that means you're already very learned, right? That's why we make sure we serve, we serve meat and all the Amirats, they stay out. Not to say that everybody doesn't come, I'm not, not accusing anybody of anything. But anyone who's here, they're already graduated, right? And Amirats cannot eat meat. Shinemar, Zois, Tairas, Habehema, Kalha Oisik, Batayra, Mutter, Lechaba. Anyone who learns Tairah is allowed to eat meat, right? People ask me, what's your opinion on pita? I agree, based on the Skimar, that they should not be eating meat. Exactly. I fully support that. But a Jew? There's a big mitzvah to eat meat. What's the mitzvah? Why is it a mitzvah to eat meat? So Arizal explains like this. That there are four categories of existence. There's doimeim, inanimate. Tzaymeach, that which grows. Chai, alive. Medaber, that which speaks. And any time a higher level of existence consumes a lower level of existence, it's elevating the lower level of existence. So, for example, if an animal, if a cow eats grass, the cow is doing a favor to the grass. The grass used to be only grass, and now it's a cow. And when you eat a cow, you're doing the cow a big favor. Because it used to be a cow, and now it's you. It used to say, moo. And now the cow is saying, Me'emosai koyoneshema ba'arvin. 
the cow used to be saying nothing, and now it's learning shas. Now it's coming to a shear. So whenever you eat an animal, you're doing that. In fact, the cow, people want to know, what is the cow saying? The cow's saying, put me in your cholent. The cow is chalishing to land in your system. It, it wants an aliyah. But in Amoretz, <laughs> the Amoretz is not on a higher level than the behema. So it's not doing the behema a favor. So Taki can't eat the food. He can't eat the meat. Someone who learned, doesn't learn Torah cannot eat meat. Because how does he have a right to kill the animal? The only right that we have to kill an animal is because we're doing the animal a favor. We're elevating the animal. But if, so an Amoretz never, never graduated from that level. Can't eat the meat, says the Gemara. In fact, the Gemara says in Chula, and look at number 14. Rav Nachman had a very learned wife named Yalsa. And Yalsa said to Rav Nachman the following, that everything in this world that God prohibited, there's a corresponding way that it's mutter. In other words, there's nothing in this world that's always usher. For example, the Gemara says, blood? You think you can never eat blood? You can eat blood. Well, what's chap liver? Chap liver is blood. Liver is blood. So blood is asr, but liver is mutter. The Gemara says, Nida? Nida is mutter. When it's dam nida, it's asr. But some types of blood is mutter. People think, yeah, I'm not going to show the rabbi. It's probably asr. It's usually mutter. It's usually mutter. The Gemara continues. Chelev behema. Yeah, you can't eat the fat of a behema. Chelev chaya. Chelev chaya. You can eat the fat of a chaya. Chazer. Pig? Pig is sometimes mutter. Even without Dunkin' Donuts. Right? How? You have, um, the Gemara says, the brain of the shibuta fish takes exactly like a chazer. Mamish, I'm telling you. Exactly. There's no difference at all. So, believe Yitzhak of Barditchev wants to know what exactly is the uh, point over here? What's, what's, the, what's the Gemara saying? And what's the concept? What's the principle? That everything that's also has a permitted counterpart. Of what benefit is that to us? Every food in this world has sparks of Kedusha that are elevated when they're consumed. But the problem is, that's when the food is kosher. What about if the food is treif? You can't consume the food. So when you don't eat the food, that's how it elevates the sparks of Kedusha. But that's only if you don't eat the food because Hashem said so. But what if you don't eat the food because, say, pig? It's disgusting. Blood? It's disgusting. Huh? So therefore, the wife of Ram Nachman teaches us, not disgusting, it's delicious. Taste the brain of the shibuta. You'll see how delicious pig is. And now, when you don't eat pig, when you pass by the delicatessen, they say, we serve boar's head. You don't say, oh, that's disgusting. Meal mart is much better. No, you say, it's even better than meal mart. But what can I do? I can't eat it. I can eat shibuta, but I can't eat that. This way, the Rebbe Hashem allows us to experience everything. And when we don't, when we refrain from the forbidden, we do it with the kavana that we're doing it because Yvonne Shem doesn't want us to do it. And that is what extracts the holy sparks and everything in this world. Well, says the Shvile Pinchas, and this is how he understands the Maral differently than we explained it. That is why it's important for a Talmud Chacham to understand how there are aspects of a Sharetz which are Tahar. This way you realize there's Kedusha and Tara in the Sharetz. And when you don't eat it, that is, this is what allows you to elevate the Nitzayitzayit of Kedusha. Again, the way we explained it was just for the intellectual, full understanding of everything, it's important to know 
the, all the all the dimensions of a certain item. Okay. So so far we explained three reasons for the proficiency of being matter sharetz. Number one, it's just a way of saying that this chacham could acquit somebody even if he's guilty. Number two, it's a way of saying that this chacham has the ingenuity and creativity to come up with a hayrasha and go against the black and white halacha if the if the times need it. And the maral says. The proficiency of being able to mat their shards is in order to understand the dimensions, the full dimensions of everything in this world. Comes the Eulah Safraim. You know who wrote the Eulah Safraim? The Kliyakar. And the Eulah Safraim says like this. He says a very important lesson in this Gemara that this Talmud was able to mat their shards in 150 ways. Why? Well, says like this. Because you have to know that if you see somebody doing something wrong, nobody just does something wrong. Most people, when they do something wrong, they justify it. And they come up with heterim, and they come up with rationalizations. And they explain to themselves that it's avada, it's asr, but for me it's mutter. People fool themselves. You know how we know people fool themselves? Says the Gemara, look how easy it is to fool yourself. There's an Amoira that could come up with 150 Eterim for a Sheretz. And a Sheretz is, there's nothing more black and white in the Torah than a Sheretz is also. And yet this Amoira could come up with 150 rationalizations and it's mutter. You know what you see from here? You see from here that a person could convince themselves of anything and substantiate it with every Raya in the world. So the next time a person says, you know, should I do it or should I not? <coughs> eh, I won't ask anyone. It's mutter, it's mutter. Watch out. Because in this world, it is so easy to deceive yourself. Lahavdel, George Bernard Shaw said, when it comes to self-deception, every man is a genius. When it comes to tricking yourself and fooling yourself, all of a sudden we become go'ine oilam. The proof is, that an Amoira is able to take the most explicit lav in the Torah and matter it in 150 ways. Bottom line, you can't do it because the Torah says you can't do it. But look what man could have come up with if left to his own devices. He could create 150 Eterim for a shem. By the way, in uh, the Sefer and Todos Yaakov Yosef, one of the Talmudim about Shem Tov, he also says this idea, he quotes the Kliyakar, that the idea, the lesson of being able to matter a Sheretz is a lesson to every individual. The frailty of the human mind. In other words, people who just go through life, I'll make my own decisions. I don't need to ask. I don't need to confer. I don't need to be Shail Eitzah. I don't need to ask Halacha. I know, I know the Derech HaYoshar. Yeah, you know the Derech HaYoshar? Kol Derech Ish Yoshar Be'ena. Everybody thinks they're on the Derech HaYoshar. Not only that, you could have the biggest Russia in the world, and he'll explain to you 150 reasons why everything he does is a mitzvah. There's nobody in this world that says, you know, I'm really a bad guy, but what could I do? No. People think everything they do is justified with... I'll bring you a riot from the Chumash, and from the Mishnah, and from the Gemara, and from Toysus, and from the Masha. Says the Gemara, we could do that to Matar Sharetz also. Reb Tzadik HaKoyin also, in, a, in one of his lesser-known svarim, Or Zarua he also uh, 
advances this explanation in the Gemara that that the importance of understanding not to allow a person just to guide themselves in life because uh, that's the recipe for disaster. So the Shvile Pinchas comes with a beautiful remez to this. You know, it says in Pirkeyavis, Don't look at the, the cask. Don't look at the barrel. Look what's inside. Right? Don't judge a book by its cover. Well, the word kankan, yeah? Kankan. Kan is 150. Kan is 150. Don't leave matters up to your own judgment. 150 reasons this way, 150 reasons that way. Don't think that way. Elobima. Ma, the word ma is a remez to anivos, is a remez to humility. Like Aaron and Moshe and Aaron said, Venachnu ma, what are we? What are we? We're, that was their expression of humility. In other words, altistak el bekankan. Person cannot allow themselves just to, yeah, I'll, I'll decide, I have very good svaros, I have good arguments, I have good rationales, I have good reasons, I'm a clear thinker, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a level-headed guy. I'm a level-headed guy, I can make my own decisions. Can make your own decisions. You'll come up with 150 reasons this way, 150 reasons that way. Sometimes, you need to bow your head. What does the halacha say? Fasten your seatbelts. Now we're going we're gonna to move on to the next level. What exactly is the significance of these 150 reasons? Why 150? What is the importance, what is the meaning of the number 150? We've spoken ma- uh, many times about various numbers, 91, 95, 101. What in the world is 150? Rabbi Isai, we've also lately been speaking about the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, Dav Chafalafam The Gemara tells us, look at number 22, Nun Share Bina Nivru Ba'olam, there are 50 gates of wisdom in this world. And Vikula Nitnula Moshe, they were all given to Moshe Abenu Chasar Echad except for one. Shenemar Vatichasreyu Maat Melekim. The Yibam Shalom diminished him just a little bit less than God Himself. So simply, this Gemara is saying there are fifty gates of wisdom, and Moshe Abenu only had forty-nine. So we're going to feature a sefer that uh, we never featured before. There is a commentary on Masechta Idyos called Shushan Edos from Hagoin Reb Wolf Baskovitz who says an unbelievable thing this idea that there are 50 levels of wisdom and Moshe was missing one is it possible for a human being to know some of the 50th level he says absolutely it's absolutely possible and you have to say even Moshe knew a lot of the 50th level. You know why? Because if the Gemara says that Moshe Rabbeinu was missing one, he was a little bit less than God, everybody knows that in spirituality, the higher you go, the bigger, bigger the level is. Which means, says Reb Wolf Baskovitz, the 50th Shar is bigger than all 49 together. In other words, not one, two, three, four. It's the 50th is much more expansive than all the previous 49. And if Moshe Rabbeinu was missing the 50th, then how could you say he was only a little bit less than God? He was nowhere near the Rebbe Shalom. Says Reb Wolf Vaskovitz, Moshe Rabbeinu had a good chunk of the 50th. That's even implied in the Gemara. It says, Kula Moshe. They were all given to Moshe. Meaning even the 50th was given to Moshe. It was just that... 
a little bit was taken away. In fact, uh, the Arizal says very clearly that a Kabbalah Satoira, Moshe Rabbeinu, was given all 50. Like the Pasuk says, Vayidabra Hashem, Eskol, Kol is Begamatria, 50. By the Chedo Egel, he had to go down from 50, that's what it says, Lech Raid, go down from Lech, go down from 50. And Moshe Rabbeinu was sort of 49, 49, but at the end of his life, Vayal Moshe Meyarvois, Moyov, Moyov is Gematria 49, Elhar, Nevoi, Nunboi. He got all 50. So that also substantiates this idea that a human being could get the 50th. In fact, Chassam Soifer writes that Yeshua bin Nun, why bin Nun, why not ben Nun? Bin Nun, he was Maven, the 50th Shar that is Rabbi Moshe bin Nun. So he says it is possible to get the 50th. Says Revolf Baskovitz, how many dimensions of Torah are there? Four. Pardes, Pshad, Remez, Drush, Said. And a Talmud Chacham needs to know all four. That Rizal says in this world, we came down to know all four. Pshat, Remez, Drush, Said. And you got to do whatever it takes to try to master them as much as possible. That Rizal says, in number 23 in the Shara Gugulim, you don't know it, you can't learn it, get a Rebbe, get somebody, you got to... That's what we're here for. We're here to increase our knowledge of Pardes. Says Rebolf Baskovitz, if there are 50 levels of wisdom, then that means every dimension of Torah has 50 levels. So that means Soid has 50 levels, and Drush has 50 levels, and Remez has 50 levels, and you would think Pshat has 50 levels as well, total of 200 levels. Says Rebolf Baskovitz, that's good for Soid, that's good for Drush, that's good for Remez, but there's no way Pshat has 50 levels. You know how many levels Pshat has? One! Other ya, other nisht. What levels? Either yeah or no. Pshat is by Yedaber Hashem Moshe Don't eat the sherets. There are no drays, there are no finaglings, there are no kvetches, there are no chaps. Pshat? Pshat is pshat. By Yedaber Hashem Moshe Leimer. Dabra Obnei Yisov, Yekuli Truma. There are no levels. Remez, you could find all kinds of Remezim, you could have Drez, Chaps, it really means the opposite of what you would have thought. You could have Drushas, you could have Secrets and Kabbalah, that's all good. The 50 levels are in the three Chalakim of Torah. In Pshat, there are no levels, they're just yes or no, black and white. Says Rav Baskovitz, when the Gemara says that the student could be Matahir the Sheretz in 150 ways, you know what it means? What it means is, on the dimension of Remez, he could come up with 50 Remezim that the Sheretz is Mutter. And the dimension of Drush, he could come up with 50 Drushes while the Sheretz is Mutter. And the level of Kabbalah, he could come up with 50 esoteric secrets from the Holy Master is why the Sheretz is Mutter. But in Pshat, there's nothing to talk about. The Torah says, don't defile your soul. In Pshat, it's No. So the Talmud Chacham could come with 150 reasons to matter the Sheretz. But it doesn't mean the Sheretz is mutter. Because in the world of Pshat, it's no. N-O. Loi mitin aleph. That's the significance of how he was able to matter the Sheretz 150 ways. Bottom line is, it's still Osir. By the way, says Reb Vovbaskovitz, that's why this Talmud lived in Yavne. Yavne is Oisio, is Bina. The 50 levels of Bina. Ah... That's a big side. In other words, what's important to know is that when a person learns Torah, with all the shiurim and all the populim and all the drushas and all the ramazim and gematrios, don't ever forget there's something called pshat. Pshat is, put on the tefillin, keep the Shabbos, daven like a mensch, and that's all you need to know, bottom line. 
the, the Baal Shem Tov writes in Parsha Shemois that after all of his hasagos of, of sailing up to the heavens, bottom line is, he never loses focus that pshat, 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 the simple interpretation. Simple interpretation. Okay. Let us conclude with the following segment. So here, the Nachar, the Nachash comes to Adam Arishan. And he says, Adam, eat the fruit. It really looks good. Eat the fruit. Hashem said, The day we eat it, you're going to die. You think the Nachash tried to persuade Adam in the realm of Pshat to eat the fruit? Of course not. Pshat? The Nachash came with the Sharnun. We already spoke this out from Abiyanus and Ibishas by one child Shudas. The Sharnun of Remez, Sharnun of Drush, Sharnun of Soid. He came up with drays and finagling and kvetches and knetches and chaps. Why it's mutter? But the Nachash ignored the Pshat. The Pshat is he can't eat it. So he utilized 50. 50 of Remez, 50 of Drush, 50 of Soid. By the way, the Megala Amukais writes that why is he called Nachash? The Nun. The Nun represents the 50th level of Tumah that is in him. Nachash stands for Nun Sharei Chachma. Satan. Share Tuma Nun. And the Satan is persuading Adam to eat from the Yetzadas. The reason why Ravina says that he would matter Sharetz in 150 ways, does anybody remember where did Ravina make the Kavachimer from? From the Nachash. What's he bringing the Nachash for? He's being Marames to this idea that where, where does this ability to take something which is obviously wrong and create innovative ways to rationalize it. Where does it come from? What's the source? It comes from the snake. And that's how the snake works. Kal v'chaymer. He says, first do this, and then do a little bit worse, and then a little bit worse. And then that's the operation of the nachash. Well, says the Megal HaMukais, in Mitzrayim, and we're going to see Mitzrayim, was Paroi is considered the Nachash. Paroi, the Mikubalim right and the Shlach Kaddish right? Paroi is the embodiment of the Nachash. Paroi in Tanakh is called the Tanim. Then what does a Nachash eat? Afar, Ha'afar. Paroi is Oisiois, Ha'afar. That is why the Nachash is the Hanachash Haya Arum. He was clever. In Mitzrayim also, we were Eero in the area. Mitzrayim we fell to what? The 49th level of Tamar. Had we remained there a moment longer, we would have fallen to the 50th level, the point of no return. So how are we going to get out of that? How many days between Pesach and Shavuos? There's a big nun in the word ta'av dun. Ta'av nun. You have to work 50 days to get you out of the 49. You have to work. Rabbi said David HaMelech was the Gilgal of Adam Arishain. He had to rectify Adam Arishon being influenced by the 49. Who does he marry? The king of seven, Bas Sheva. Bas Sheva. Bas Sheva. That's what Megal Mukha says. So, so here's the Mamish Oyem We know that Adam Arishon gave 70 years of his life away to David Amelach. Why David Amelach? Why David? I'll take 70 extra, you know. Let's auction it off. Let's, let's sell it. Let's, I don't know. eBay. 
Why Adam Arisha? Why did he give it to David? Well, the Arisha writes, David Amalek was the Gilgal of Adam. In fact, you know, Hashem tells Adam, Ki mimenu mois tamas, on the day you eat it, you're going to die? What do you mean the day you're going to eat it, you're going to die? He didn't die on the day he ate it. But David, who is his Gilgal, was supposed to die on the day he ate it. And it's only because Adam gave him 70 years that he didn't die. That's why Adam Arisha brought Misa Lo'olam. David corrects that. How's that? David Melch Yisrael? Chai Vekaya. That's why David doesn't go to sleep. Because sleep is 160th of, of Misa. So comes David to the world. And how many prokim of Tehillim does David Melch compose? Kufnun, 150 prokim. Why? Because Adam was influenced by the snake, 50 in Remez, 50 in Drush, 50 in Side. He injected him with 150. So comes David HaMelech, says of Tzadikakayin, and he composes 150 prakim of Tehillim, to Masakim the Chet of the Nachash, Masakim the Chet of the Yitzhak. There's a Medrash, number 31, a Medrash in Shemais Rabbah. Simply, it's impossible to understand. The Khartoumei Mitzrayim give Paroi the following Eitzah. Paroi, we want you to shech, look at number 31, Miktane Yisrael, Meyav HaChamishim, Ba'erav, Meyav HaChamishim, 150 kids a morning, 150 kids an evening. 150 kids a morning? What's that got to do with anything? Where'd they come up with that number from? The answer is, because the entire purpose of being in Mitzrayim was to purify ourselves this is the Arizal, the first Arizal in the beginning of Shab Sukkim, and he writes this in many places, that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was to purify Klal Yisrael from the Zuama, from the Tumah, of Adam Harishain, of the Nachash. That's why Moshe Abinu, what's his first miracle? He takes the stick, he lasanim, it turns into the snake. In other words, he's indicating, that's what we're here for, that's our problem, that's what we need to correct. It's because of the original snake. So the whole reason we went down to Mitzrayim is the chid of the Nachash. What was the Nachash's tactic? The Nachash's tactic was the tactic of that student in Yavne. The Nachash says, forget the pshat, I know it's Asr. I'm going to come up with 150 drushos and ramazim and soydas. Why it's mutter? The trick of the Nachash was to matter the sheretz. That was his whole tactic. He came up with every drei chap finagling way to get out of the blatant iser of you can't eat from the Yitz Hadas. So therefore we go down to Mitzrayim and Paroi is the Nachash. So he's trying to reawaken the sin of the Nachash. He's shechting every morning 150 kids. David HaMelech is trying to correct the sin of other region. He's Mechaber 150 Prakim of Tehillim. By the way, says the Arizal, a mikvah. Take the numerical value of mikvah. Mem kuf 140, vav hey, 11. 151. What's 151? Because tumah is 150. But to get out, to extricate, to rise above, you need the one. You know what the one is? Pshat. You can't do it. With all the rationalizations and all the justifications, what about the bottom line? Al tashak, so it's not so saying, you can't eat the bug. <coughs> so therefore, Suggests in the Sefer Likutei Ma'amaram as follows. Says Rebani Shalaylam, the whole reason you went down to Mitzrayim is you're trying to rid yourself of the poison of the snake. The poison of the snake is all those 150 rationalizations and justifications to take something which is blatantly usher and to finagle a heter. Well, says Rebani Shalaylam, if I took you out of Mitzrayim just for one reason, 
that you don't eat the sharats, meaning that you recognize that when I tell you no, it's no, and when it's yes, it's yes, that alone is Kadai. We ask, even that alone is Kadai. All the lavin are important. No, that's the whole reason we went down to Messiah in the first place. The whole reason why we went down is to rid ourselves of that type of impurity of, yeah, but, like this and like that, and you could always, there are different ways, there are always different opinions, right? You ever hear that? There are always different ways of looking at it. There are always, but isn't there a das yachid? Isn't there this opinion, that opinion, this rabbi, that rabbi? What about the shulchan aruch that says no? What about that one? That's why we went down to Mitzrayim in the first place. Says Rebbeim, if I took you out of Mitzrayim just to be able to teach you, you can eat the sharetz. Dayenu. So add it to the list. You have fifteen dayenus. We have a new one. So Rebbeim took us out of Mitzrayim just to learn this lesson. There are hundred and fifty. Don't forget about the one. The one is Pashib Shad Rabbeim. Have a great evening. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.